Welcome to the Vine Church. We look forward to experiencing community with you. If you'd like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at thevinegoshen.org. Enjoy the message. All right. Well, hey, once again, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Jordan. If I haven't had a chance to shake your hand and meet you yet, my name is Jordan. I'm one of our pastors here at the Vine. And I'm honored to get to hang out with you guys today and, and continue and kind of wrap up this series we've been in, Living on Purpose. Before I do, though, um, Travis mentioned Christmas, and we just got to talk about this a little bit more today because this is a very, very important part of uh, our holiday season here at the Vine. One of the things that we want to put an emphasis on, um, and if you, if you come for a little while, you probably heard somebody say this, that in, in Scripture, it says this in Romans, it says, Jesus's kindness was meant to lead people to repentance. Jesus wanted to show his kindness to, to point people to the Father. And that's what we want to do this holiday season. And so we're doing an event called Christmas Together. We are having a 9 a.m., a 10 a.m. service, and then a 4 p.m. experience out in our lobby. It's going to be an amazing, amazing thing, but here's what we want to do. We don't want to just uh, throw an event and just see what happens. We want to really be purposeful with creating opportunities for this to be uh, a place where people come, and it feels like, man, they were expecting me and they were waiting for me to be here. They, they, they were ready for me. And so what we've done this year is we've created a little card, and you probably received one on your way in. They're called VIP tickets. Now listen, these are completely free. They are completely, there's no cost to this, and you can have access to as many of these as you need. Here's what you do with these tickets. If you look at the ticket, there's a little QR code on it. It's got the information of the times, but there's a QR code, and you can take your phone, scan that code, and you can reserve seats for anyone and everyone who has confirmed and said, I'm going to be there. Another thing you can do is you can go to our welcome center and take more of these, take them to your workplace, take them to your family, and hand them out, and they can do the same. This is really important. Here's the deal. Christmas together, we're going to have a free petting zoo with a camel out in the side yard. We have a free hot cocoa and cookies. The kids' experience, I'm telling you, is going to be incredible. It involves time travel, safe time travel, okay? So kids are going to get an opportunity to go back in time and literally meet some of the characters that were involved in the nativity story. And it's so special and we're excited, but we want to make room and have room for everyone who wants to be a part. So utilize these VIP tickets because we want to have names on seats and be ready for you, your family and friends this Christmas it's going to be an amazing opportunity. So if you have any questions about that, you want to get involved, maybe you want to lend a hand and want to be a part of this really great opportunity, hit us up at the Welcome Center or, or, or let us know. We, we would love to uh, give you an opportunity to be a part as well. Here's what I want to do. I want to pray, and then we're going to get into our content for today. Lord Jesus, we just come to you right now, and we thank you for your word that does not return void. Anytime we open up your word, there is fruit that takes place in our life, and I believe, God, that it, that it can take place through our life, and we can have an impact on the world around us. And so today, that's our prayer. Holy Spirit, speak through me. Don't let it be the book of Jordan, but let it be your thoughts, because your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been talking about purpose, and one of the things that you're going to see in the Bible, and this is, this is how we get to know God. If you want to know what God is like, there's really no better place to start than his word. This is how we see his character. And what we see in scripture about God is that 
Purpose is not something or his intentions for us, the things he wants for us, normally don't fly out of the sky like a rogue bird and just hit us in the face. How God leads us is this. God leads us in steps that intersect with his purpose and with the blessings he has for us. He leads us step by step. When we follow step by step the things that God has placed in front of us, those paths intersect with his blessing. Those paths intersect, and he leads us in ways that intersect with his blessing. And so I want to set this idea of a pathway and stepping stones in our mind before I get started today. And what we're going to do is we're going to go to a psalm and kind of start our conversation in the psalms. So if you could, if you've got your Bible with you, go ahead and go to Psalms 1. Psalms 1 lays out these two different pathways that you, you kind of see them through Scripture, but Psalms 1 kind of encapsulates and gives you the cliff notes. It's like watching, uh, back in the day, there's that old show, 24. You got anybody watch 24 with Jack Bauer? He goes, dang it. You know, he's always yelling, and I, could, I didn't, couldn't say the real word. But um, he's a really intense guy. But anyways, there's a really incredible series. And when Jack Bauer would do his thing in one episode, in the next episode, in the beginning, it'd be like, on the last episode of 24, in like one minute. Well, what Psalms 1 does is it encapsulates God's character and kind of how he thinks about the ways of our lives in just a short little period. So we're going to read Psalms 1 together today, and then I want to talk about it for a little bit. It says this, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He will be like streams, uh, he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. Its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And I want to look at this just for a minute and kind of set up our conversation with this psalm. It starts with this word blessed. And when you look at the word blessed in the Bible, there's all kinds of different angles you can look at it. Normally, it doesn't, it doesn't take on the same meaning of just like filthy rich, okay? Um, there, there is connotations of that, and that does have forms of, there's financial blessing and things like that. But in this, it, it's talking about a different kind of blessing. What does blessing mean? It said he's like a tree planted by the water. Being like a tree planted by the water, I, I used to live in California, and uh, I was a friend with an almond farmer, and he had this vast field of almond trees, and California was pretty dry in the Central Valley. And he said, Jordan, during the dry months of the year, there are certain trees that we can drive up to with our little quad and you can push them over if you just drive into them. The tree will fall. And these are big trees. But what happens when a tree, the root system is not well watered, it's wishy-washy. It will sway. It will be blown over. It will give much easier than a tree that has well-watered roots. And so this word blessed in Psalms 1 is saying a blessed man or a blessed woman is someone who is deep-rooted 
in the streams of truth, the waters that God has provided for them. So they're, they're blessed, they're, they're steady, they're unwavering. The other thing we see is this. It says he's like a tree planted by the water that bears fruit, that bears fruit. See, when a tree bears fruit, that fruit isn't just to be consumed. That fruit is actual, actually the way that the tree multiplies in the world around it. The forest is developed by tree after tree bearing fruit and the seeds falling and being planted. And what God is saying and what, through the psalm here, what David is writing in the psalm is that when we are blessed, we are fulfilled we are unwavering. We're like a tree planted by, a wa- by the water and we bear fruit. Living on purpose, having a purposeful life is not so much about your life having legitimacy. It's about your life leaving a legacy. When we live on purpose, it does more than just we accomplished a couple of things. What it does is it solidifies and really sets in place this this fact that when I'm gone, there will still be fruit and trees flourishing on the earth because of me. That's what I hope for my life. That's what I want to see in my life. It's pretty cool. Um, My grandpa's in the room today. He, he, He was a pastor for much longer than I was alive. And one of the things, you could look at his tenure as a pastor and you could say, that's a pretty good run. How long were you a pastor, Grandpa? 31 years, okay? So actually, I was, I was one year old when he started as a pastor, so I lied. But that said, 31 years as a pastor, no moral failures. Unfortunately, that's kind of a big deal now. He went 31 years and had a good tenure. Many, many people come to Jesus. He had a really great ministry, but he would tell you And I will tell you from experience, what I'm most grateful for in my grandfather's life is his living on purpose because it wasn't, his living on purpose just didn't solidify and legitimize his ministry. It solidified a legacy that is being lived on in his sons and in his grandchildren. And our households are living for Jesus now. And this is what God wants for you. Blessing in your life looks much It's greater, it's a bigger thing than just you getting free of the thing you're bound to. He wants more for you than freedom. Did you know that? He doesn't want just freedom. He wants you to break free and then be a catalyst for freedom in the world around you. He doesn't just want you to be successful. He wants you to have a purpose and build things with your life that ensure fruit for the kingdom in the years and years to come, even far after you. This is what blessing looks like. This is what purpose looks like. And I I just can't help but think that purpose and blessing coincide because when I see a tree planted by the water unwavering, I see a person who knows their purpose, who understands why they're here. And like I said, God leads us on paths that intersect with his blessing. And when we live on purpose, when we protect the steps that God has placed in front of us and we say, I'm not going to go to the left, I'm not going to go to the right, but I'm going to stay on this path. When we do that, our lives intersect with the blessing of God and what you see is even though we don't get to dodge all of life's circumstances, 
within the circumstances, we know our purpose and we are like trees planted by the water and our lives bear fruit. I wanna encourage you. This is available to you. This is not for the spiritually elite. This is for the devoted. This isn't, again, I want you to get that. Because I think some of us, we get to this place where we're like, I'm at this point in my journey. That is for level three Christians. (laughs) The blessing is on the steps. The blessing is not achieved when you get to level three. There's blessing, there's protection, there is provision, and there is purpose in the step he's calling you to take right now. That's your role. That's what we do. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to give you a snippet. We've been talking about the book of Nehemiah. It's such an incredible book. It's kind of like cheating. You don't really have to do much with Nehemiah. Just tell the story and it it preaches itself. But I want to give you a little snippet of something that um, we utilize in our leadership roundtable here at The Vine, um, something we talk about with our staff, and uh, it's, a, it's just a leadership principle that we talk about quite a bit around the table in our next leadership program. And it was just, it just fits so good with what we're talking about today, I had to use it again. So I want you to tell me, how many of you guys have ever felt like, I think this might be my, perfect, my purpose? Raise your hand. If, if it may, some of you may not have, but if you feel like, I think I've started to get a picture of like what my purpose looks like. Okay, let's do another question. How many of you guys have ever had a deep desire that you're like, I think this is bigger than just something I want. I think this is something God wants for me. And that could be a big desire. It could be like, I need to break free of this, or I want to see this start to sprout in my family and this to take root in my home and have this in my... So a desire. How many of you guys had desires? Okay. Um, how many of you guys... Hey, we're, we're a vineyard church. I guarantee a lot of you have. How many of you guys have got like a, a prophetic word? Okay, somebody come up to you and say, I see this in you and I think the Lord wants you to know this. Okay, so I'm gonna stop there, but you get the idea. There's this idea of sometimes there are deep desires we have or things we feel like God wants this for me. And I wanna talk to you about how God is going to lead you in this. That is, we'll put that under the category of purpose. This is something God has purposed for you. What we need to understand about these dreams, about these desires, is this is what God intends for you, but it does not mean it is imminent. Okay, I want you to hear that. Just because God wants something for you doesn't mean that it's going to happen imminently. What it means is it's his intention. What we have to do, our role in this, is to say, okay, Lord, this is what you want. What's the process that you're going to lead me in to get there? And sometimes this process looks like maturing in certain areas. Do you know there's things where uh, in my life, I was talking to our staff about this last week. Ten years ago, you would not want me on staff at the Vine. I promise you. Um, I got a lot of stuff done. I broke a lot of things too, okay? Some of them were people. Um, Some of them were uh, agendas. Some of them were calendar items. I broke a lot of meetings that we were supposed to have and I forgot about them. There there was a lot of things. Now, I saw, you know, you ever, like on Christmas, you open up a, 
when I was a kid, I always liked getting like video games because you just get it and then you can enjoy it right away. What I didn't like so much was Lego sets because you open the Lego set, you see what it is, and then it's like, well, now I have like 10 years of figuring out how to build this thing. This is kind of how God's intention for us works is he shows us the picture on the Lego box, says, this is what it could be, Jordan. This is what I want for you. This is what I want to do through you. Now, let's walk step-by-step in a process of building that together. And for me, you know, for, like, through the years, it was a step of maturing as a leader, as a man, a step of understanding God's will better than I did. And coming into a place of, I love in Psalms 1, it says the blessed man delights in the law of the Lord. That was something I had to develop in my life, a joy of approaching scripture and delighting in, in the word of God. That was a process I had to get into before there were certain things that were fulfilled. And what's funny is, is now that I feel like some of that, I've grown in some of that, I'm starting a new process now. But that said, this is how God leads us. Now, what we're gonna do is... I want you guys to open your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter six. I wanna set up, before we read it, I wanna set up the story of Nehemiah a little bit. And it parallels with this so well. And we're gonna talk about what happens when we take a step in our process. See, we've been talking about purpose for the last few weeks. And so I'm guessing, if you're anything like me, you've probably been hearing these messages and have been like, okay, what is... What are the things that we need to live on purpose? And me and Shai have had conversations even this week about being more purposeful in certain areas. So I'm guessing there's some of us in the room who maybe you've taken a step into a process or said, Lord, I wanna start walking this path towards being purposeful. There's something that happens every time we do that. So Nehemiah, chapter one, when, uh, and we introduced this in week one of the series, you see a guy, Nehemiah, he's a cupbearer to a king. And Nehemiah hears news of the temple. It got wrecked and he's bummed about this. He doesn't want the temple to be wrecked. He, he's, he's sad and distraught about the state of his people. And Nehemiah gets a deep, deep desire. I want to rebuild this temple. And I think Nehemiah had a clue that Maybe this is bigger than just a desire I have. Maybe this is something the Lord wants to do through me. So he sees that purpose, right? So we're gonna go back to square one here. I like using these squares to talk. It's really helpful, the carpet squares. This carpet square is purpose. And Nehemiah gets, the, gets a purpose in that moment. And he sees the picture on the front of the Lego box. We're gonna rebuild this temple. Now, Nehemiah could not rebuild the temple right then and there. It wasn't like opening up the PS2 I got in the early 2000s where you just rip open the paper and there's the PlayStation and you can enjoy high fidelity graphics of the early 2000s in like seconds. No, it's not how it worked. How it worked was Nehemiah got this desire and the Lord showed him a picture of this is what you're gonna do. Nehemiah couldn't build the temple that day, but what he could do was this, is he could take a step and approach the king about it. And when the king opened up an opportunity for Nehemiah to share what was going on, he took a step and he said, king, this is what what I need. And then what happens, the king said, let's do it. And Nehemiah then was like, hey, I've got the resources. 
But Nehemiah couldn't build the temple with those resources himself. So even then it didn't come right away. Nehemiah took another step and he said, I can't build the temple with these resources by myself. But what I can do is inspire a group of people around this cause and we can do this together. And so Nehemiah then begins to lead a process of building this desire that the Lord had put in his life. And step by step, they begin to do it. Nehemiah enters into a process with God of bringing about God's intention for his people. Now, anytime we are invited into a process with God, we have to understand there will be opposition that seeks to distract us and to pause the process. So there's, there's some things we gotta understand. I wanna kind of do a quick recap here. God leads us in processes. It's not gonna be an overnight thing most of the time. That's just not how I've seen him work in scripture. It's not how I've seen him work in my life. If you've got any other examples, let me know. But this is how I've seen it. He leads us step-by-step step in processes that intersect with his blessing. But when we step out, we can expect opposition that will seek to distract us. So here's what we're gonna do. I wanna read Nehemiah 6. We're gonna watch what happens to Nehemiah, okay? So in Nehemiah 6, one through nine, I wanna make sure my, I'm gonna read off the big screen because I think my translation's a little different than yours. Now, when it was reported to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and that no breach was left in it, although at that time I had not installed the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent a message to me saying, come, let's meet together at Chepharim in the plain of Ono. That should have been his first clue right there. If a place is called Ono, <laughs> don't go, okay? Anyways, but they were plotting to harm me. They should have picked a different meeting place. It's like, we're gonna jump this guy. Where do you wanna meet? Well, let's, let's call him to the place, uh, oh no. That's stupid. <laughs> Rookie mistake, guys. Anyways, um, so what we see in that first little snippet, Sanballat, Tobiah, this guy named Geshem the Arab, these guys did not like what Nehemiah was doing. If you read the book, you get a little more detail on that. And they had their reasons, but the, the basic truth was this. They didn't want the wall to continue to be built. And they said, come, meet with us. Let's hang out. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I'm unable to come down. I love this. This is gutsy, what he says to them. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come to you? Why should I stop the process that I know I'm supposed to be doing to come and hang out with you because I already know what you're trying to do to me. Then they sent message to me four times. So they didn't, they didn't like take that as, oh, he doesn't want to come, I guess we lost. No, four times. They were worded in the same way and I answered them with the same wording. He didn't break, he doesn't break. Then Sanballat sent his servant to me in the same way a fifth time with an open letter in his hand. He meant business this time. And then it was written, it is reported among the nations. And Gashmu says that you and all the Jews intend to rebel. And for that reason, you're rebuilding the wall. And you 
are to be their king according to these reports. And you have also appointed prophets to proclaim in Jerusalem concerning you. A king is in Judah. And now it will be reported to the, t- the king according to these reports. So come now. Let's reason together. Let's come sit around the table, Nehemiah. Let's keep going here. Make sure here. I'm in the right spot. Then I sent a message to them saying, such things or nothing like these things that you are saying has been done, but you're inventing them in your own mind. For all of them were thinking. So Nehemiah understood what was happening behind the scenes. They were trying to frighten us thinking they will become discouraged with the work and it will not be done. Then Nehemiah prays, God, strengthen my hands. Here's what we need to understand when we step out into a process, whatever it is. And I think I'm bold enough to say, I think if you're sitting here and, and I think maybe you know what it is, like what your step is. If the Lord is working in you and he has a step in place for you, whether it's a step into holiness or a step into leadership or or something going on at the heart level and you're like, I think this is what it is, just know when you step into it, there will be an enemy. And here's the deal. Our enemy normally doesn't get the point after first resistance. See, the Bible says this, resist the devil. Resisting doesn't, it would have just said, say no to him and he will flee. It doesn't say that. You have to resist. We have to resist our opposition in these, in, in these moments and on this path. And that means it might be a little time of I'm stepping out and this thing happens and then this same thing happens again. It just seems like this thing will not let up. Nehemiah knew, resist the distractions that seek to pull you off of the path. A couple years back, me and Cheyenne were moving here from California. I knew this was our step. It was a hard step to take. For my wife, she was leaving home. She was leaving her dad. She was leaving her sister. She was leaving her niece. Um, There was a lot of implications in this move for her. And there was a lot of implications for me. I had built a life there as well. And this meant... This meant leaving and not being a part of the church that we had planted and been a part of for nine years. This was a hard move to make, but we just knew this is what we're supposed to do. So we come and we take the step. When we get here, I I work here for, I I was in Indiana for a month without Cheyenne. She was there wrapping up some stuff there and I was getting stuff started and bought a house here. We had found out the day or two before we moved that you were pregnant, right? Something like that. So we get out here and about two weeks in, Shai calls me and she's like, Jordan, I think I just had a miscarriage. So I'm out here. I can't, I can't even give her a hug. I'm 3,600 miles away out here. She's there and we have this big, and it's just confusing. Lord, what? we're taking the step. What's going on here? So I fly back and I I get her and Elliot and we we drive back. And so we all move together here. And we're in the process of moving into our our home. And we had a heck of a time buying a house in 2020. I want to tell you, that that was fun. If you want to play on hard mode, go back to 2020, try to buy a house. Um, But anyways, so we finally bought a house. And then we're living with my grandparents 
um, in this in-between season of the closing process. And my son, he's three at the time, is playing outside with the dogs. Leash wraps around his leg and snaps it, breaks his leg. Three-year-old little boy. We don't know what's going on. He's just screaming. We spend the night in the hospital. I'm leaning over my son, holding his leg together because they wouldn't do surgery until the morning. Don't get me into that. But they, I was holding him all night long. And I remember, and I want you to listen to this. I remember sitting there, exhausted, praying, Lord, how are we going to get? And I heard a voice. And I don't hear voices very often. But I heard one here. I'm pretty sure it wasn't just the exhaustion. And there was a little whisper that said, Jordan. I'm going to break you. I will break you. And I remember I was sitting there. And I, I, I feel like in other situations, maybe earlier in my life, I would have took that as my sign. Let's go ahead and pack up. And let's head back to California. I didn't hear I'm going to break you in California. That seems, that, that must be an Indiana thing, okay? <laughs> but here's the deal. The Lord was faithful and through, through good counseling throughout the years, I've just, I delight in God's law. I understand what God's voice sounds like and what it doesn't. And in that moment, I actually gained a lot of confidence and there was a peace because I knew what was happening. There is an enemy that was seeking to distract me from the process. I was taking steps that the Lord had ordained and my steps probably gonna look different than your steps and my distractions will probably look different than your distractions. But there was an enemy who wanted to pause the process so here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. I want to spend just a couple more minutes and I want to give you three things to look out for if you're on the process. These are a couple different things. And again, they're not going to be, this isn't the all-inclusive Jordan's list of every distraction the enemy has in his toolbox. I don't, I don't know that. But I know three things that I have seen derail more people's processes than I've ever, uh, these, these three pop up more times than not, okay? So three different distractions that the enemy will use to pause your process. The first one's a little bit obvious, but we're gonna start there anyways because it's important. The first distraction he will use is sin. Listen to me. God intends good for you. God intends blessing on your life. And there is a path that he leads us on that intersects with his blessing. Sin is not a part of that path. Sin is a bystander on the side that says, come, let's reason together for a little while. Let's talk. Stop here for a moment. Pause what you're doing and stay here. And this is what sin does. Sin is one of the biggest things. And so this is where I see this a lot in scripture. In the book of Hebrews, it's talking about faith in, in Hebrews chapter 11. And in the beginning of Hebrews 12, it actually says, let us lay down every weight and sin that weighs us down or besets us or pulls us from the trajectory we are in. Sin is a weight. And I want to tell you something. 
God hates sin, not just because he wants to implant in us a really strong moral compass. God hates sin because it pauses the processes he's doing in our life. That's what it does. Sin isn't this thing that we shake off and God's like, all right, you're good. I'm going to move on to the next person. Sin is this lingering letter from Sanballat and Tobiah that keeps coming back and we have to resist it because if we do not, the work will pause. And it really, sometimes it doesn't pause right away. Sometimes we can walk for a while and it hangs onto our heels and it's dragging, but at some point, if we don't shake it, it will pause our process. What's your process today? What is the Lord calling you into I want to encourage you to, instead of putting up with and trying to manage your sin, lay it down. Because when we lay it down, there is blessing, not because of our own morality or righteousness, but because when we lay down our sin, we can freely walk the path that intersects with the blessing of God. It's there, it's waiting for you. And I wanna say something really quick on this before I move on. This is something specifically, I wanna speak to any team members here at the Vine or leaders here at the Vine. If you are in leadership here at the Vine or you're, and if, if you're a team member, you're a leader. This is something I feel strongly right now for our team. To do, let's, let's internally look and say, Lord, where are the shadows in my heart? Where are the areas that I haven't fully reserved for you? And I think there's a lot of blessing for not just our church, but for our community through our church, if we begin to take steps in that direction. I don't know if specifics, I'm not talking about specifics. I'm just talking about something that's been on my heart lately. Let's move on. This one's a little more fun because it's just funny to talk about. The second thing, and it's sad. Okay, before I pull this one up, before you put it on the screen, I want you to understand something. I just taught our youth on this on Wednesday night. I actually think us as adults need to hear it more, okay? Second distraction the enemy uses is this. It's drama. <laughs> drama, okay? Look, how many of you in this room, you just like a good bit of drama? You're a drama. I love it. We got a couple, we got a couple drama people. Here's the deal. 99.9% of people in this room just kept their hands out. No one likes drama. We hate drama. But every once in a while, I'll tell Shy pop up some corn. We're going to watch Real Housewives just for the fights. <laughs> Why? I don't like drama. Drama sucks. Drama's stupid. Drama's a waste of time. Whoa, that was fun. Let's watch that. Let's check. Did you see what she just said to her? That was amazing. Uh, you know, drama is weird. We would all conclude it's stupid. It's a waste of time. But we are all susceptible to it. I want you to listen. I I actually did some studying on this and and research on it. I just looked up, like, why is drama so addicting? Why does it seem some people are just jonesing for some drama? Well, when we engage in dramatic situations and conversations, namely the ones that have nothing to do with us, (laughs) it has the same effect on our brains as, like, eating a cookie. Did you know that? There are chemicals released in our minds when we eat sweets or when we like play video games or watch TV or binge watch Netflix. You know, that kind of that resting, like the endorphins that are released and we're just, oh, this is, it's in a different way. 
but we find the same effect in our minds when we engage in drama or when we witness or talk about or, or, or watch Real Housewives. I haven't watched it in a while, guys, I promise, but <laughs> what was it? It was like three weeks ago. It was three weeks ago, okay? <laughs> I just needed a taste of the fights. Um, <laughs> I'll let that go. But here's the deal. In all seriousness, drama wears a mask. And I want you to listen to me because nobody raised their hand they like drama, but I guarantee you there's some drama people in this room right now. And I want you to hear this. Drama wears a mask, and the mask that it wears is this, is that we're just, we gotta work on, we gotta work through this. Or they need to hear this, because if they hear this, this is gonna fix them. I wanna ask you a question. How many of you in this room are Democratic or Republican right now because you saw a post on the other side and were like, oh, that makes sense. I'm going to switch sides. I don't think it happened. I don't think it happened. Drama doesn't fix anything. Drama talks about stuff and does nothing. It doesn't change a stinking thing. We're circling a, a mountain of a problem just to talk about it. And what it really does is it pauses your process. I've, I've just seen it so many times. I've worked in ministry long enough, sadly. Do you guys know that drama can pop up in churches? Woo! I was like, what in the world? That, I didn't think that could happen. I thought we were supposed to be, we're having it all together. No, people lose their crap in church half the time. And when that happens, it derails a lot of stuff. I have seen kids' ministry teams just deflate like a balloon because someone got mad at someone about something really stupid. I've seen staff bounce from church to church because they just couldn't get a hold on. They had to be a fire starter. They had to do, they, they couldn't. You ever like uh, hear about like wartime presidents, how sometimes when a leader is a wartime leader, they have a hard time in peacetime. Well, sometimes we're like wartime people and we can't put down the sword. And I wanna encourage you. This is what drama does. It gives us a false sense of purpose, but it pauses our process. And so I'm not gonna spend too much longer on that. I just wanted to, that's the second thing I see. And I wanna encourage you. When I was younger, um, I, I really, I really liked, I, I didn't know, I couldn't put a finger on it. Like I didn't know what it was, but um, I really did enjoy a good little bit of drama, I guess. I don't know. I was looking back at it. And I remember getting so annoyed with my dad because I'd walk in the house and maybe there was stuff going on with our family or things happening at our church or something. And I'd say, hey, dad, what's going, on with, uh, what's going on with that? I want to hear about that. What are they doing? Because what I wanted to do is I wanted to hear about it so I could speak my two-piece to someone who could do nothing about it, right? Like, that was my, that's what it is. And I was like, I want to just talk about it and circle that. And dad would always say, put his head down and just say, Jordan, you need to keep your head down and do what God's put in front of you right now. Because talking about what he's doing in them or, or not doing in them it's not gonna move me forward at all or you. It's a waste of my time to talk about it. So just leave it alone. That was a shaping thing for me because, yeah, it kind of sucked in the moment because I wanted to get into some drama. But it's not, it's not effective. Psalms 1 says this, that blessed is the man who walks not in the way of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. I want you to watch the trajectory of the path of the wicked. We're walking in the path of the wicked, then we're standing still in our sin. We're paused. But it ends 
with just sitting and scoffing. We're not doing a thing. We're not active. Our hands are off of every process, but we're going to put on a referee jersey and just call fouls. And that's what drama is. So move on. The last thing I see that is a, a, deter, a distraction to our process is the immediate and the urgent. If you want to be a great leader and you want to be a great leader of your home and a great leader of yourself, you need to learn to think about the why of your life and not just what's happening right now. Let your why define your decisions, not your circumstances. What happens, and I've seen this, I've done this a lot, okay? So I'll, I'll use myself as an as a, uh, example here. Me and Shai, a couple years ago, who am I kidding? For the last nine years, uh, the last nine years of our marriage, we are so great at saying, this is what we need to be saving for right now. We're going to save some money in a year. We're going to have this much money in a year. We're going to do this because it's going to move our family forward. About two months in, we're like, did you see that espresso machines on sale over there? (laughs) And we can create reasons that that is a good idea. Actually, our espresso machine was a great idea. But (laughs) that said, it's fantastic. I used it yesterday. You know, I didn't pay my car off early, but I have espresso yesterday. Um, we would come up with reasons that this is the biggest deal going on right now. And if we fix this, it's actually going to lend to our why and why we're doing this and what we're really trying to accomplish. But the truth of the matter is, is we would let immediate and urgent desires decide our decisions. And it left, it, it left us in a pause moment on some of the things that we felt like the Lord was wanting to do in our life and prepare us for This happens in a lot of things that, you know, Elliot breaking his leg was an immediate and urgent thing. Now, I had to tend to my son. He's more important than my job at that time. He was more important, but the enemy wasn't doing a debate of what's more important. The enemy was utilizing that as a way to pull me out of and get me to just back up and punt. And sometimes even when hard, urgent situations take place, we have to be careful to look at it a little bit objectively and say, okay, this is my circumstance, but is it my why for my life? And if it's not, this is what I'm going through, but this is not my purpose. And that allows us to say, okay, we're going through this. We may have to adjust some things, but we're not going to step off of the path of the process. Because when we do that, we we keep ourselves from the blessings and the purposes that God wants to see happen in our life. The Lord leads us in steps that intersect with his purpose for us and his blessings. I'm gonna wrap up here. I wanna give just really quick a, a, a cool thing I heard years ago. Um, there was a, a man that he had been in ministry for a long, long time a really long time, and I was talking with him and asking him kind of about his, some of the moments where he felt like he knew what he was supposed to be doing. And he was talking to me and he said, when I was around 45 or 50 years old, um, I felt like the Lord confirmed what I needed to be doing with my life. 
And the funny thing was, is when I look back to 20 to 30 years earlier, it's what I had been doing the whole time. I want you to listen to this. Your purpose in life probably is not going to swoop down and punch you square in the face and say, here I am, now you can take a step. Our job is this, like the blessed man in Psalms 1. Right now, delight in the law of the Lord. Meditate on the law of the Lord. So what you're going to do is we are going to take purposeful steps in delighting in the truth of God's word. We are going to transform our mind by focusing and meditating on God's word. And when we do that, we will have revelation and have insight to the steps and wisdom to the steps we need to be taking. And I got a feeling, and I know this in my life, we're gonna look back in about 30 years from now and be like, look what the Lord did through that. Look what the Lord did. And I wasn't even aware what he was doing the whole time. That's how he leads us. I think it's one of the ways he shows that he's in control. So here's what I wanna do tonight or this morning. I want to give you an invitation. As I was writing this message this week, I felt like I wanna invite those of you who feel like you're paused in your process. You know your, pro- like you know your step, but maybe you're paused. Maybe like Nehemiah, the enemy has tried to discourage you in your process, and, and maybe you've taken the bait a little bit, and you feel like, I've been paused, and I don't know how I can get back in, or, or, or where, how, where do I go from here? So I want to invite you, and I believe today the Lord wants to invite you back into the process. He's inviting you to take a step again. He's inviting you to step back in, to leave the distraction behind, to leave the pause behind, to leave the discouragement behind, and without shame, walk in step with what he's wanting you to, uh, what, what he has for you and for your life. And the other thing I think we need to probably pray about is maybe there's some of you who are, you're just trying to figure out what, it, what the step looks like. Maybe you, you, you feel the Lord stirring in you and you're like, I'm ready, I'm raring to go. I wanna start this process, but I don't exactly know what my first step is. So here's what we'll do. Here's what we'll do. Um, would you guys stand with me for a moment? If you feel like... Um, you're paused right now in your process with Jesus. And whether it's, again, in your spiritual walk with him or maybe it's your something that's a, a goal you have or a desire you think he wants to fulfill through your life, but you feel like you're in pause, would you, would you do me a favor? Would you raise your hand? We wanna pray for you. Okay, here's what I wanna do. We're gonna just be the church for a minute and look around you. If you see hands raised, Um, If you feel comfortable, go surround these people and we're gonna take a minute and pray over this specifically. So here we go. I'm gonna lead us in this prayer, but feel free to pray out loud and pray as you you wish. Lord Jesus, uh, right now we come before you. You invite us to step before your throne. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this room right now, into this space, into this moment. And for every hand raised, people feel like they're in pause that maybe they opened the letter from the enemy and said, oh man, I gotta go take care of this. And it's put them in a moment of pause. I pray, Lord, that you would bring peace, that you would help lay down shame right now, that that maybe the shame of stepping out of the path has been weighing on them and that's been keeping them from coming back in. 
Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would just wipe that away right now in the name of Jesus, that that shame would be lifted. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name for that. Would you make clear to them the path to the process that you have them on? Thank you, Jesus. You guys can continue praying. If there's those of you who feel like maybe you just want some insight on what your step is, what's the, what does that look like? I feel like the Lord's doing some stuff, but I wanna see what my next step is. Is there anybody that is feeling that way and we wanna pray? We have some in the back. Okay. All right, Lord Jesus, you, you know our hearts, you know our desires, and you know your intentions for us. So right now we just receive your wisdom, Lord, not our own. I pray that you would bring to our remembrance maybe things and opportunities that you've opened doors for that we've kind of just skipped over and we haven't noticed or taken notice of, or maybe we didn't think that that was you. Would you bring back some of those opportunities to our mind that maybe we've been skipping over? Your process is perfect, Lord. It doesn't always look the way we want it to. It doesn't always feel the way we think it should feel. But your process leads us to your purpose for us, Lord. And so right now, we just receive that. I'm gonna go ahead and invite uh, Deb to close us out today in prayer. Good morning. Well, that is it for today's message. We thank you for joining us. If you'd like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at thevinegoshen.org. We'll see you next time.